When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Well, I think it all depends how we end up. Let's see, you know, but I think we got a chance to be a good group of tight ends. Obviously, when you play with tight ends in this business, you have a chance to play against base defense, you know, not so much nickel and dime, you know. I think we also got to look at the fact that uh, Beavs has had probably as good off season as any player uh, that, that I know on our side of the ball. So he's got a chance to be a really good player for us. So it gives us flexibility to bounce around personnel-wise. That is Gary Kubiak. Offensive something for the Minnesota Vikings. To be determined exactly how powerful uh, Gary Kubiak becomes as we go throughout the season. In studio for our number two of Purple Daily, Judd Zolgad and Rami Maklov. And in the first hour, guys, talk with Myron Metcalf about Delvin Cook and what his ceiling is. I'm working on an article about it right now. And if you take his rate statistics rather than his totals from last year, we do this a lot with baseball and things like that. His most comparable running backs in yards per carry, yards after contact, and yards per touch that includes passing too. He compares favorably to Ezekiel Elliott, Mark Ingram, and Joe Mixon really closely in those numbers. Is that not only the expectation for Delvin Cook, but a requirement for the Minnesota Vikings offense to be actually good this year? Um, His comps don't surprise me one bit. And the second uh, part of your question, the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah, this is all, I think if, if you were to pick out the most important things, uh, knowing what we know about the capabilities of the players in this offensive scheme, all right? N- knowing what we know about their talents, about what they can and can't do. Knowing what we know about if too much is asked of certain people, what will happen? I think that Delvin Cook is one of easily probably, let's say, the top two people. Because you know what what you can get and will get from Diggs and Thielen, but all of those guys are at the mercy of Cousins. Delvin Cook is to a certain degree, but not quite as much. So I'm not surprised by the comps. I think Delvin Cook can be a fantastic football player, and his success is paramount to if this team is going to get back to the playoffs after last season. I don't think the question is if he's as talented or as gifted as any of those guys or as good a football player as any of those guys. Can he stay healthy? Because, yeah, I mean, if if he can play 14 games relatively healthy, as close to 100% as a football player can be over the course of a schedule, yeah, I think he can he can put up those kinds of numbers, and that would be tremendous if he could for the Minnesota Vikings. Nothing props up a quarterback better 
than a running game, and especially in Gary Kubiak's offense, we've been hearing about how much he loves to use play action. For play action to be effective, you need your running game to be effective, not to mention the weapon he could be throwing throwing the football to him out of the backfield. I think he could be as good, if not better, than any of those guys that you just mentioned, Collar. It's just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy for the bulk of an NFL schedule. That's the major question, is it not? And they must think that because they did nothing to put anything around him aside from draft Alexander Madison in the third round, which is just you're flipping a coin at that point to whether the guy can actually play or not. And that one was a little bit surprising just because he wasn't a guy that people felt like um, needed to be picked in the third round, that his draft stock was more of a fourth or fifth, but they made sure that they got him in the third But aside from him, they talked about him as filling a Latavius Murray-type role as a bigger running back. Uh, Okay, I mean, I I don't really know exactly what that means. Latavius Murray's role was mostly go in when Delvin is hurt and be good. And that's exactly what Latavius Murray was paid for, and he did well. Now they really don't have anyone behind him. But my question for you guys is, with Delvin Cook, would you be concerned about giving him the ball 300 times? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's t- the question. Can back- I tell you why I wouldn't? Oh, okay, and, and my question back to you off of that, off of the point that you're about to make, too, Collar, is this. What is the proper use of Del? What is the measured, we think this guy's good, but to Rami's point, we can't get him hurt. What's the proper use of Delvin Cook? Uh, I'm going to go 300 carries and 75 catches, I think is the proper use for Delvin Cook. I think he's in on every damn play, I and doing. I think you give it to him every play. What is he And doing? I will tell you why. Because I don't care if he has a long career. I know. I'm sorry. I like you, okay. Delvin Cook. You seem like a great guy. But I don't care if you have a long career. It usually doesn't work for running backs to have a long career running 300 times and catching the ball 75 times. Yeah, but, but it just doesn't matter. If he's on pace for those types of numbers, I don't think he makes it to those types of numbers. I think you're without Delvin Cook eight games into the season in all likelihood. So when it comes to predicting his injuries, here, here's why I think that it's hard to say that he just can't stay healthy. An ACL tear is something that can happen to anybody. I mean, Adrian Peterson is one of the healthiest running backs in the league, getting 300 carries, and then he gets an ACL tear because stuff happens. Clay Thompson, one of the most healthy players uh, it, for years and years in the NBA, tears ACL last night because he falls weird. The hamstring injury is probably because of the ACL recovery. So those things are both resolved. And even with that said, if you're only telling me I get 8, 9, 10 games out of him, but I'm giving him the ball at that sort of pace, I'm still going to take it anyway. Because they're, the Minnesota Vikings are in a position to play like there's no tomorrow. It's kind of like how in the playoffs and the World Series, when the uh, Seattle Mariners did this in the playoffs, the Arizona Diamondbacks did this too, they brought in Randy Johnson as a reliever because they were like, bleep it. Who cares about Randy's future? We have to bring him in as a reliever because that's what we have to do because there's no tomorrow. That's the way the Vikings have to approach the season. But if I get Delvin uh, Cook hurt late in the season or in the playoffs, I really don't care. I think if you go with your plan, though, starting with week one, which I I love the idea of saying we don't care because there are certain positions in sports where, you know what, you burn the guy up, I don't give a damn. I love the if idea of you... shortening this guy's career. Just I do. love it. Just when it comes to When it comes to this position, it is the coup you d'etat. You could have played receiver, Delvin. It is, the, it, it is a great idea. But I don't know. I'm with Rami on this. I don't know how far you can get him down this road. And, and then, so the question then that comes back to me is this. Okay, let's say eight weeks in, he's like, oh, boy, I'm hurt. Where do you turn, the kid? 
I think you have to go with a combination of just role players, how how they um, fit best with their skill sets. Madison you call Marshawn Lynch at that point? Yeah, what maybe. do you do? No, I, I think that um, that you, you probably end up playing a little bit of Mike Boone, a little bit of Alexander Madison. Um, Amir Abdullah is a veteran, very smart guy. You bring him in. Uh, maybe Rock Thomas shows something. I actually liked what I saw from Rock Thomas last year. He's a more instinctual runner. And maybe you get something nice out of those guys that you're surprised by. But the way I look at it is... You can't approach the season going, ah, but what if he gets worn down? Or what if the hammy comes back? Or what if there's an injury? Or what if, what if, what if, what if? You have to win these games. You have to go all in with them. It's like a pitcher where your bullpen is awful, but you get to the 95th pitch. You're like, oh, well, you know, he's got 95 pitches, so got to take this guy out. But if you're in the win-now mode, it's kind of like that Johan game where they left him in to pitch the no-hitter. That's kind of how the Vikings are right now, though. It was one of the stupidest, it, most his career, ever. I know. But if that had been a playoff game or something, I would have said, the way, when they did it, it was like June. So who, why did you do that to Johan? But, I mean, if it was, if it was a playoff game and your, your pitcher is just killing it and you don't trust your bullpen at all and it's a one nothing game, and you know what? It, you risk him being hurt for the rest of the playoffs. You risk him potentially having a shorter career. You just let him go and throw 120 pitches because there's no tomorrow. And that's the way I look at this entire season. If you play it out as if, oh, well, we don't know if Delvin is going to pull the hammy again. Like, I mean, he could pull the hammy running 10 times a game like he did last year. I would feel very comfortable going with a scenario that you just painted, except for the fact that if he goes down, I have no idea yeah, you're, if it's going to work. Like this the committee cupboard is, idea. The cupboard is bare behind Delvin Cook. I mean, this, I look, goes, this goes for any position. I look at it as, as workload control. I'll, I'll use a different analogy than the one you used, which is Kawhi Leonard sat out 22 games this year. Not for an injury, just just because they wanted to control his workload. Are they you wa- in a position they that to do that him, with They the wanted Vikings, him to though? be fresh for the postseason. But the Raptors I, were I think, great. I think like, you have other moves. You have you have other you have other players. You have other weapons on the offense that you don't need to to put a heavy workload on Delvin Cook. Not early in the season. I think running games become more important later in the season when you get into when you get into December and get into the playoffs is when you really need a running game. But I, I would I would control his workload as much as I could. I wouldn't shy away from him. I'm not saying I'd handle him with kid gloves by any means, but I I wouldn't give him the type of load that you're talking about because I don't think he would survive it. See, when when you say, oh, we've, we've got these other weapons, I mean, they've really got, aside from Irv Smith, which I don't know what I have here, you have the same exact weapons as you did last year. And by week, what was it, would you say, Judd, five or six, everyone's double-teaming Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs every single third down and making like life difficult for Kirk Cousins. I think to succeed with this offense that they're going to run, you have to have your all-around running back dominating. And Ezekiel Elliott is a good example of this, where, it, yes, uh, Ezekiel Elliott might have his career shortened. He's had a couple injuries along the way, too. But the Dallas Cowboys have a good enough defense to win, and they have a good enough quarterback right now and a rookie contract to win. So you give him the ball 300 times, and you throw to him 77. I'm saying that his previous injuries, Delvin's, do not suggest that there's a guarantee if you hand him the ball 300 times, what, is he going to tear his ACL again? I don't know. A lot of guys come back and are just fine for years and years with the ACL injury. The hamstring, if it relates to the ACL, and that's fine. I mean, I don't know. Anybody can pull a hamstring at any time. 
I wouldn't dial back Stephon Diggs because he's had groin injuries in the past. I'm going to run Stephon Diggs 100% of plays or 90% of plays because he's Stephon Diggs and we need to win. Tell me which ones of these games are just going to be like, oh, we could just mix in anybody on any play. We could just throw in the rookie third rounder. Like Atlanta, that's not an easy game. Chicago, Green Bay, where, it's gonna where bite, are these easy games? Well, what, the thing that's going to come back to bite this team in the ass for sure, and we knew this, was was we could play a game starting now and, and we could play it again in a month and a month from there, which is what cost the Vikings by being so tied up by the salary cap? It could definitely Latavia, be that, right? Because you can't Murray, sign like a TJ Yeldon And something. Latavius Murray is a big loss. Yep. That's a big loss because yeah. where I, I run into a, a conundrum here. Matthew is, I see your point perfectly, but then you throw out these scenarios of, well, who can play behind Delvin Cook? And I think to myself, okay, that doesn't excite me either. At least when when Latavius came in, you were going to get a really quality veteran guy who knew exactly, because that position now takes a lot of smarts, too. Todd Gurley can't be a workhorse back. Do you want Delvin Cook to be a workhorse back? They went to the Super Bowl and had a number one offense with him as a workhorse back. And his career might be done, but they got to the Super Bowl, and if they had won it... So so I, I don't care about him personally at all. I care about the action. I, I don't. I, I mean, guys... Get, I get it. This is, I get it. Guys I mean, get worn down. Todd Gurley is a great example for my argument. I mean, if the Vikings... He seems have like a nice a top, guy. I just can't be concerned right? about that. If they have a top offense because they ran Delvin Cook into the ground and he ends up with but, 1,400 yards and 70 catches, then you got everything you asked for. But this is where not having... Any uh, substantial cap room with which to operate is go. It is going to bite them at some point. Yeah, I like, just think it I doesn't mean, just you know now that Kyle's restructured, it doesn't just go away. I just think when it comes to any player on this team, that even if there are injury histories with certain guys, I mean Kyle Rudolph had an injury history at one time, and then for the last year, three years, yeah. he's played all sixteen games. At one time, we were saying, "Huh, Kyle Rudolph, he'd be good if he wasn't beat up all the time or dinged up." You couldn't for those three seasons play. Kyle Rudolph half the snaps and let Michael Pruitt play the rest of them, right? You have to just go all in with Kyle Rudolph. That, and so the same you're, thing say, goes you're saying Diggs. just do this, and worst case, he gets hurt. But if you don't play him more, you're screwed then, too. I, that's right. I think if you try to play this scared, what you're doing is leaving a lot of success, big runs, yards on the table, because no one is close to Delvin Cook on this team. And if he gets hurt, then, well, he gets hurt. Then I mean, what are you going to do? You don't it's think, hard to predict it. You don't think they can they can win or even put themselves in playoff position without a heavy workload for Dalvin Cook? No, I don't. I really don't think that they can be a playoff team without a great year from Dalvin Cook. A really great year. I mean, like one of the best running backs in the I'm NFL. okay with ramping up his use as the season goes on. Because once you get deep into the season and games are sometimes make or break in terms of whether or not you're going to make it to the playoffs and Obviously, once you get to the playoffs, it's win or go home. So at that point, just like I, I said about the Kevin Durant injury, you risk everything. And, and and if injuries happen, injuries happen. But I'm just saying early on in the season, I'd want to keep him as, as fresh as possible so that I do have him late in the season when the stakes are that much higher. So part of that for me is week one is already late for me in the NFL. Like, ask any coach. I've made this mistake before. Ask them about a big game. 
They're all big games. There's only 16 of them. In this case, it's true. I mean, when you look at the division and what teams are here, so I know you don't believe in the Lions, Judd, neither do I, but let's say they're a little better than they were last year, just even a little tougher to play against than they were last year. Packers on defense are better for sure. Let's say their offense is a little better. Let's say the Bears are just as good or drop back by a win or two. I mean, you're talking about playing Philadelphia this year. You're talking about playing Dallas this year. Those are teams that will be battling for a wild-card spot with you. I mean, that that's my point is I don't know where it is that you could say, like, oh, well, this is a little bit of a cool-down period where we could give them 10 runs this week or whatever else. They tried pitch count thing. That didn't work last year when he had the hamstring injury. I think in this case, where they are as a team, you just have to go all in and see what happens. I am as or more concerned about this entire offense as far as after seeing two days this week, how far it has to go. You're that concerned about a mini camp? Oh, no, after, it has to go a long after way. After seeing. Yep. Well, I'm, but it should be at this point, shouldn't it? it should, well, they, should, they, it the, you know what it looked like too much to me, Judd? was last year. It there, looked way too much like last year. There, there are, are practices, because you can't, it's not as if you can glean a ton. But there are practices at which you say to yourself, oh, yeah, that looks a little rusty, but I can see it. And then there are practices where you say, oh, boy, this is going to take some time. And and when Cousins, to his credit, acknowledged the fact that he does not know this offense truly, which is completely true, this is going to – training camp is going to be rough. And and I, I think as uh, Collar and Courtney pointed out on Purple Daily to me yesterday – Zim is really into his defense looking good. And so they're kicking the offense's ass left and right. And and I don't know exactly when this is going to click. I know Kubiak's good, and I know eventually this could work. I have no idea when that starts to operate, though. It was really interesting to hear Kirk Cousins say, well, you know, I know you guys have all said that this was the offense that I know and had success with before, but not really. Like, Oh, like okay. slow down, so, everybody! And then, so actually, and then you're right. I have been saying that for quite some time, <laughs> and then you. went into detail about what yeah. you didn't know. Yeah, Don't go and set these expectations for me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but Kirk, I've been telling the listeners, and I've been writing this for I months. I know, I know. He's like, and, no, no, Judge, you're wrong. And a, and a lot of you, you really, he really did say like, no, no, that's <laughs> not right at all. And I think all of us were surprised by that because I thought that the. Isn't that why Gary Kubi? I thought that's why Gary Kubi. <laughs> yes, I mean, I thought that that was the plan. That was what. Am I the only one who's that confused here? I, Spielman had no, said okay. that was what Zimmer had said. That's what when he's hired. That's what everyone says. And then Cousins comes out and says, "Well, actually, it's a way different. It's a whole new offense, and I can't just roll out of bed and run it. I've got to learn it the same way as last year." It's like, oh, so that's why today looked like that. Then, that's uh, true. All right, this is um, concerning. It. Th- it was a little concerning. That's I mean, a little it's, concerning. It's, it's as concerning as it could be for minicamp. Yeah, Can I put it that way. It's not full fledged. I was panic, just about to stop me. I was just about to stop you guys. And go, guys, guys. It's minicamp. What are you talking about? But that quote alone. No, he went into detail too about about verbiage, about packages, and the what was intriguing to me was he talked about the evolution too of the offense and how far it's gone, and so he was involved in parts of this. What? color four years back or so with uh shanahan at first in like 2012 through okay. whenever he left and then uh mcveigh but it's like a l- language that's evolved and he's been out of it for let's say six years five years so he's trying to tell you don't assume that i know what you think i know is he a guy who likes to set the bar low 
Um, a little bit. Yeah, he would do that sometimes last year. Like, oh, stop asking me about Super Bowl or bust or something. But he never, he never said like, I'd be lucky to go six and ten, which was kind of the equivalent of what he just said about I, the I, offense. Like, I yeah, do. well, we're not actually far along at all because I don't know the offense that well, and neither does anyone else. I, and boy, did it show. That was the one thing I will give credit for Kirk Cousins. He did not go over there and be like, what a day of great practice we had. I mean, because, like, we were standing there, Kirk, and you saw us in our polo shirts and jeans. You know that we saw you having to call timeout, yelling at all the young players, being confused, hanging your head, being frustrated. That was what the last two days of minicamp were pretty much like. And, yes, it is installing a new offense against a defense that knows literally everything. But... There were some, there were just some yikes moments. And then when he said that, it's like, okay, when we get early in camp, there's probably going to be more of this. And if Zimmer doesn't cool it with how much he's having his defense kick the offense's ass, I think it's going to hurt them. I think it's going to be harder to learn it. This is like Zim. Zim is saying, all right, boys, Kubiak thinks he's some hot stuff, right? You go show him. Uh, this, you know what this is it's like? It's head coach defense versus head coach offense, and it's glorious to watch. But if I'm a Viking fan, I'm a bit concerned. I mean, this this would be like taking, let's, let's say, a regular NBA team. Say the uh, 1992 Golden State Warriors and having them play the uh, Olympic team that had Jordan and Bird and, all, and everyone on. That's kind of what it looked like. It's like, okay, they are better than this. The Golden State Warriors, they were fun during that time with Chris Webber and Mullen, but they're going to get killed by Team USA. And you're not even just talking about a defense that knows the defense. You're talking about Pro Bowler, Pro Bowler, right. Pro Bowler, Pro Bowler. And I think it makes it a little bit harder. Kubiak, I was reading an article today, and Kubiak and Zimmer were saying, "Yeah, this will this will speed up the development of this offense because that's we're going not what against I saw. because we're going against such a good defense every day in practice." Now, here's the other thing that's funny that Zimmer says. This is classic Zimmer. Zimmer's installing stuff that Kirk's not good at going against on purpose. Yeah, I read your piece about that. It was <laughs> hilarious. Here's the other thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just classic Zimmer. Like his defense looks fantastic. Here's the thing on Tuesday that that also confused me to no end. It's a minicamp practice. You are literally installing the offense, which means I'm trying to learn it. So's my buddy here. So's my buddy there. And somebody has the idea to play loud crowd noise as if you're in a hostile environment as you're installed, which, you know what? The week of going to take your pick, Detroit or something, totally get it. You know what? Crowd noise. Okay, let's deal with crowd noise. But Rami, it's June. And these guys are trying to learn this. They need as much concentration as they can possibly get because we are in the fundamental stages. And we're playing crowd noise like you're playing a playoff game in December. So last year, now I wouldn't... <laughs> confused. I wouldn't, I'm very confused. I wouldn't put anything really too much into all of this because minicamp, minicamp, minicamp. Shorts, they're in shorts. Has anyone told you that in shorts is what they are? Probably not. Um, but last year... Filippo seemed legitimately mad at Zimmer because he was they, they had a bad day in minicamp. And that was when uh Cousins said that Thielen had a pity party or whatever. Oh yeah. And he was doing the route thing of you know, when you need to ride it with this many steps or whatever to Thielen. It, week seventeen was deja vu for anyone who went to minicamp. He's doing it again, the Thielen. <laughs> uh, uh, but um Filippo came to the podium and was like, well, how, you know, how much does it mean to go against the defense? So good. How much does that help you guys? You kind of iron sharpens iron, of course. Um, and Filippo was like, 
Yeah, the uh, players are making checks that they're not even really supposed to make on defense yet. And it was like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yep. Um, yep. All right. So this is a thing that I wonder. Now, last year it did get it's contentious. It's like the pickup basketball game where the, the guy you're going against is just trying too hard. You're like, right. dude, come on. This would be like, yeah, it'd be like if you're playing D1, but or you're playing and one of the guys is playing D1 or something. Yeah, right. You're like, could you just like shoot and hang out? And he's like, no, blocks you. I'm like, come on, dude, you're six, seven. It's throwing it's bows. Fair. In We're the trying paint. to have fun. This is a company outing. Like, uh, that's, that's how it, and last year it got a little contentious between the offense and defense. And I have never in my life seen players celebrate a pick six like the defense celebrated one against the Vikings offense. In minicamp the other day. You weren't there for that, Judd, but no. Ben Gideon picked off a pass and ran into the end zone. They went berserk. Yeah, it would they, lead to your story. Like, you know how the um like the baseball players at the end of a game do the jump all together? They did that in the end zone. I mean, it's like wow. they are rubbing it in the offense's face how much better they are. And it's just kind of a dynamic that Do they realize that they're watch eventually gonna need them. the offense if they want to actually win football games? <laughs> I don't know. I like it from a purely comedic standpoint, oh, to be yeah. quite honest oh, it, with you. I mean, to see Jake Browning trying to chase a guy down the sideline, and then Anthony Barr and Everson Griffin running like madmen toward Ben Gideon for a mini-camp interception was like, football, guys. Football. <laughs> All right, um, so Chris Sims is doing a top 40 quarterback in the NFL countdown. Is he doing it in a Casey Kasem uh, voice? He. He got to, I wonder how much of our podcast audience gets the reference. <laughs> Maybe oh, the over-the-air audience Top is like, yeah! Um, he got Long-distance dedication. He got to Kirk <laughs> Cousins, and I want to tell you guys where he ranked Kirk Cousins and which quarterbacks he put behind him. We will do that when we return here on Purple Daily. Got in that system, if you want to call it that, with Sean McVay in Washington, but then he he's evolved that quite a bit when I watch through the TV of what he's doing with the Rams. And so technically, is it the same system? Yes. Are you doing the same things? Is the philosophy the same? I don't know. It, it still looks kind of different to me. So there, there's changes. There's similarities. Uh, I, I'll put it this way. I couldn't just go out to practice, you know, without looking at the playbook, without looking at notes. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do much. It's, it's new enough that I've really got to go over things and make sure I understand it in terms of the route depths and the snap counts and the concepts because um, it is it is different. What did they used to call the... There was a brief time. It was kind of like rock music, but sadder. What was it called? Grunge? No. No? Emo? Sadder than emo. Emo. Emo Kirk about the offense <laughs> is now the best Kirk. <laughs> the, the Kirk who's like, I don't know the plays. <laughs> well, and, he was, and we set him up with, oh, Kirk, you know this offense perfectly. You're the only one, and you're going to lead the Vikings to the promised land, right? Because it's June, and you get to... No. But I think no, we all no. The plays are very different. I don't know them at all. <laughs> we all know that person who sets the <laughs> play bar. some minor chords on an acoustic guitar. I, just, I don't know I don't play know. actions. <laughs> we know that person who sets the bar really low. So when they do succeed, it's like a big deal, right? Uh, like any any level of success, we're all like, "Hey, all right, look at this guy." He's definitely a down player when it comes to that sort of stuff. You know, when he'll go up against another quarterback who's clearly better than him, like Drew Brees or Tom Brady, he'll be like, "Oh, you know, I don't I don't fly in their air and everything else." So maybe if he beats them, it's like, "Well, oh, I beat Tom Brady." Um, of course, that didn't happen with either Tom Brady or Drew Brees, but may, maybe he's he's a little bit of a down player like that. Um, but 
it was interesting to hear how we've all spent so much time talking about how much better this offense is for him and how similar it is to what he's doing in Washington. And that's because that's what we've been told by Zimmer and Spielman. And then he's like, no, no, I'm sorry, guys. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking um, about. I've never seen this offense before. So, realistically, I do think that the offense will be a lot better for Kirk Cousins. And as we were talking about with Delvin Cook, that's the swing guy for me. If Delvin Cook is healthy and he runs the ball 300 times and he catches it 75 times, Kirk Cousins will be exactly who he is. But if you get way more out of the running game, here's where it's big for me with Delvin Cook in the running game is getting to third and two. I think that Kubiak Stefanski can dial up some stuff way better than Filippo last year on the third and shorts. That's where the Vikings were great 2017 and awful last year. And I think that was play calling. A lot of it was third and shorts. And they just didn't have a ton of them. It was often third and seven. They would take a sack, third and 12. And then you just double feeling and digs and Kirk Cousins has nowhere to go with the football. I think that this year is going to be a lot different from that standpoint. And you know who's going to be good this year, guys? Who's that? I'll tell you. The fullback. You can never go the broke what? taking a profit. What is that? The fullback. I've never heard of this thing. CJ Ham, the best fullback name this a new short position? of Sam Gash. Oh, come on. You come from the land of John Coon. <laughs> the fullback, man. I think that the fullback. I think what this team's goal is going to be a lot is. What if, are they going to do with them? Cousins cannot hit on a big play. Yeah. Dump it off to the fullback and take four yards and then do it again. And then run it with Delvin Cook on third and what short. What year is this? I think <laughs> that that's what they're going to do. What are you talking about? I think that's what is they're going to do. What are you talking about? Is Bill Walsh the OC? Yes, is this 1982? I think, think C.J. Ham is catching 30 balls. Wow. What? I, I think they're throwing to C.J. Ham a lot. I think they're using him a lot. All right. They like him. He's a good player. I'm going to use that as a write-that-down prediction today. Right. C.J. Ham, nope. 30 receptions. 30 receptions. I'm, I'm, Matthew I'm taking it first. I'm going right. to actually write it down right the now. The fullback. Uh, Making the dude, fullback fashionable again. You know what? I Honestly, the real opinion. First of all, using the fullback is awesome. Second of all, C.J. Ham is a good player. I mean, he's a good at football. I just wrote it down. I think he's a good player. Wait, hold on a second. Though. It's going on the record. You consider long snappers, you and Cronin consider long snappers awesome. Fullbacks. Yes. You you just like things that that were before your time and that you didn't see. But I saw them. I don't need to see them again as much as you do. Here's Collar wants, around for the fullback. Collar wants the return of the high neck brace. Oh, absolutely. Like the giant, oh, the absolutely. giant collar. The big neck pads. Brace. The 90s. The long jerseys. <laughs> this, man, come down to the, this, the man, this man loves the 90s yes. National Football League. Sam Gash. I want Terrence O'Neill. Give me back. Give Tearaway me Earl jerseys. Campbell. Tearaway Give me Terraway jerseys where guys would grab the jersey and it would come off, and then the guy just with the shoulder pads would scamper down the field for a 70 yard touchdown. What I really think about this offense is it is going to have the general basic philosophy that Bill Walsh had for a really long time, which is first option on play action plays is to get down the field, hit a big play. Because Cousins, when he gets a little space and those rollouts and he can be on the move, he throws a great ball. It was when I did the initial film study on him, when I watched back his whole 2017, I pulled a bunch of clips and made some observations. That was one of them is that when you roll this guy out and he has a chance to set his feet on the move, stop, make a throw down the field, he gets a little space, gets a couple extra seconds for his receivers. He can make throws. So that's going to be the first option for him. The second option is going to be you don't go broke, taking a profit, dump it down to CJ ham. And they're going to put him under center more because he likes being under center, which means using the fullback more. I think they're going to dump it off to him once or twice a game or three times a game. 
so in in this if this comes true is Delvin Cook on the field for all these snaps then, or is Delvin Cook yeah, probably, not on the field for all these Because C.J. Hamm is not a running back. I mean, he's a pure sure. fullback. So, yeah, I but think Delvin so. Cook's going to catch a lot of passes, too. Yeah, I think they're going to throw a lot. And looking at history of Gary Kubiak, the article I referenced about wide receiver three and how it's not used that much, well, running backs were getting 23% of the targets in Kubiak offenses. That's a lot. I mean, that's the same as tight ends. So I, I do think that they're going to end up throwing a lot of footballs to the backfield. Um, Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk does the show with uh, Mike Florio. Mm-hmm. He's been counting down his top 40 quarterbacks. And he finally got to Kirk Cousins at number 15. Uh, and I will tell you the quarterbacks that he rated Kirk Cousins just above. Because there's some guys that we don't know yet. I mean, he throws Kyler Murray in there at 24th. Well, Kyler Murray could be 40th or 5th this year. I don't know. Right. And the same with Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins. They're all below Kirk Cousins. But the guys who are just below him at 16th is Nick Foles, 17, Baker Mayfield, 18, Derek Carr, 19 is Jared Goff, which is a super hot take. How Jared Goff is worse than Kirk Cousins is like one of the worst football takes I can think of. That's pretty amazing. Mitch Trubisky, number 20. And then Garoppolo, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, for guys who we know a little bit about. But Jared Goff below Kirk Cousins is legit one of the worst football takes I think I've ever heard. Ever? I'm trying to think of the worst football takes I've ever ever heard. Worst football take ever. I'm not sure what the worst football take ever is. But how in the hell hell can the guy who took a number one and number two offense to the Super Bowl be... Worse than Kirk Cousins, I, who went nowhere with the same Sean McVay offense. I in agree. Washington. I agree with what you just said about that. However, where Mr. Sims landed Cousins is absolutely positively accurate. Yeah, yeah. It's a okay. per. He's between eleven on his best day and fifteen, and no better than that. That's yeah, I'd who, say that's it's fair. A perfect place. The Jared Goff thing is he's trying to get hits or clicks. So I, I think he could be as low as. Kirk Cousins as low as maybe 20 and as high as probably 10. Um, Because I I could see a few of these quarterbacks being better than him. You could definitely see Baker Mayfield being better than him. Nick Foles in Jacksonville is hard. I mean, the guy... Does he have Mayfield behind him right now? He has Mayfield at 17. I think Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins is a really good comparable. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know what I have there. Andy Dalton should probably be a little bit higher. Mitch Trubisky at 20, I think right now is totally fair. Where was Dalton again? Um, Andy Dalton was 26. I think that's, mm. I think it's probably too low, actually. Because Dalton and Cousins on paper, if you look a little deeper than just the traditional, like, quarterback rating, go into the pro football focus numbers and things like that. Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr have a lot of similarities. I did a piece after PFF put out its, uh, annual quarterback thing about the most similar quarterbacks to Kirk Cousins. And those were the guys who came up. And it's a lot of the same stuff. When they have great things around them, they can do it, but still kind of can't get over the hump. And when they don't, it's not very good. But to Jared Goff, you could say, oh, he had everything around him. Right. And went 11-4 and and 13-3 and and led the number one and number two offense in the NFL. That one's wild to me. That one, You're right. That one's an attention. Yeah, just trying to get hits. I don't blame him. But you think 15 Maybe is fair? I'll try it. I think 15 yes. is fair. But if we're talking about the ceiling and the floor, the floor to me is probably a little even lower than fifteen. I mean, sure. than 15 oh yeah, I think it's probably no. I agree. 20. I think twenty is the floor, but I, I agree with Judd. I think that, or I think you said actually, I think he could 
be a top 10 quarterback if he's put in the right position with the right pieces around him and the right offense with the right blocking. If you prop him upright, I think he can put up top 10 quarterback production. For me, it's got to be everybody stays healthy and this offense works. But production is such an interesting word because production, in my mind, is not touchdowns, interceptions, quarterback rating. Production, in my mind, is... Winning for one. That's, that's where what, it starts. And that's what Kirk said this week. And that's what he said. That's exactly and what he I, said. And that's, that's where it begins is your win-loss record for me. I mean, Jared Goff went 0-7 his first year with Jeff Fisher. That's a nightmare and disaster. And since then has won 24 games and lost seven. So that's where your production begins. But it's also the things that you do that lead to winning. The tight window throws, the third down execution, the red zone execution, all these things that... Well, Kirk Cousins has big stats in a lot of other areas. Those are the areas that win you football games. Kirk Cousins cannot have... His performance against the Packers in Week 2 of last year has to become far more commonplace, especially in huge games. That's what makes your top 10 quarterback. What we saw in Week 2, which was a hell of a game and a nice comeback, but he made some throws there. Yeah, He definitely made some throws. Those are the type of throws that you have to make. It, the thing that still I will ding him for the most, and this is this includes the Buffalo game, this includes the Seattle debacle, all that, I will ding him for the fact that he went into a Week 17 game against the Bears that meant nothing to the Bears that was played in his home stadium that was win or go home, and he couldn't say, you know what, boys, it's me today. This is all on me. Like, all on me. Yep, We're winning this game. And if you don't think we can go home, that because that game, what earthly reason can you think of now in retrospect for why the Vikings lost that game? That's the you sign him to that contract to say, okay, in a situation like that, you have to win. This As game. a Bears fan watching that game, I fully expected going into that one to lose. Fully yeah, expected yeah, to lose that game. Everybody, everybody did, every, everyone thought that the Vikings were going to yeah. win. Yeah. I mean, because the Bears had almost nothing to play for. And especially you get halfway through that game and there was some other score that meant officially the Bears had nothing to play for. Correct. And still they couldn't come out on top. Um, so it is win the games that you are supposed to win is another big part of it. I'll uh, we'll take a quick break. Raptors won a championship last night. And franchise that's put together a pretty cool history and just had never won. Let's talk about what the best story would be in the National Football League for a Super Bowl champ. We will take a break. We will return here on Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Oh, it's uh, only about eight more minutes of radio for me, and then I'm off next week. What are you guys doing? You guys working? Yeah, I'll be next week. Yeah, I'll be here. Maybe working extra because I'm not here. Uh, Yes, actually, we are. Just a little bit. Yep. Yeah, we actually have uh, extra Purple Daily duties because Uh, you're not here. What a shame. Who's running hot routes? You guys doing hot routes? Um, Rami is. He's coming up with a question. By the way, by the way, you're off for a week. We come in today and there's no hot routes. The hot routes have already been you cheated run. with Myron. Everybody wants a piece of the hot routes, and I decided to include Myron. Yes. So we get left out. I'm not sorry. And we don't you get got, the hot how routes. many hot routes did you get this week? But Judd? we could have come in and done. I only hot got routes one round two. I got one hot route. I got this week. two, but you I want to get them next week. So Actually, what are you I got, complaining? About? I got two. I got. You get to run hot routes Monday next week. I don't want to run hot routes. I don't want to come up with the questions. I have no interest. In fact, you are Rami. Is I'm not coming up. with I have a good quarterback voice, so I'm looking forward to calling out the hot routes next week. I'm terrible at coming up. Let me give you guys a little taste, like just a little taste, like. Okay, I'm not going to make a drug reference, but just a, a, a little bit of the hot routes because I put this out there on Twitter. First one's free. Favorite three Denver Broncos because Pat Bowlin passed away today. Who yeah. are your three favorite Denver Broncos? Of all time? Yeah. Just just favorite. doesn't have to be the best. Rick Upchurch. 
Craig Morton. Craig Morton. Love Craig Morton. Um, Rod Smith. Steve Atwater, Terrell Davis, John Elway. I keep switching because people keep sending me really good answers. I went with Mecklenburg. Carl um, Mecklenburg. He's from here, right? Is he? I think he's from I Minnesota. Didn't know that. I, think I went with Mecklenburg, Ed McCaffrey, and what was the other one I went with? Oh, and Atwater. Atwater, you can't pass Rick Upchurch, man. Oh, could he return kicks? But I... Special. How about this for one for a guy that I love, speaking of returning kicks? Because this was a position that I used to love. You mentioned, oh, you love fullbacks so much. Yes, yeah. and I will not apologize for that. <laughs> oh, no Kick and punt return specialist, Glenn Milburn. Oh, yeah. What a player. G-L-Y-N-N? Yes. G-L-Y-N-N, Glenn I remember that, too, Milburn. for some reason. I don't know why. He had one of the biggest games of all time. I think he set the record at the time for the most yards from scrimmage in a game because he had kick returns, punt returns, and then receptions out of the backfield. Glenn Milburn. I'm going to put him in my top three. Um, all right. So last night, the Raptors win. It was really nice. It was just a great thing. Like back to back nights, we get St. Louis with the Blues. Been a really long time since they've won. And then we get the Toronto Raptors again. Same thing. No wins for them ever. Give me the best story. This is another maybe hot route style question for you guys. Give me the best story for who's, if, if this team won the Super Bowl, it is just unbelievable, and what a great story for the National Football League. Hmm. This is easy. It is? No, go ahead. I don't have one. I'm trying to think of oh. one. I was trying to think of one during the whole break. I can't think of a better story than the we'll be on for so many years, Cleveland Browns, all those quarterbacks, yeah. all that pain for Browns fans. They lost their team. It came back, and now you win a Super Bowl? And I, I know that they've had LeBron and the Cavaliers, and so they've had success in Cleveland. But as far as a National Football League story, wouldn't that be fun? And let's say in the, now that this wouldn't happen, but let's say in the AFC playoffs, they go through Baltimore to beat them. Oh, I think that'd be a oh, great. Yeah, sure. What, a, what yeah. a great story. Those people, those people had their team stolen and then they got an absolute dumpster fire for how many years? 20 some odd years? Cleveland to me isn't the Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of the Toronto Raptors of the NFL. They are, are they not? Yeah. They came into the league at they've, about they've the same close time. A few times, yeah, close a few times would have had some really <laughs> terrible years. You just feel great for Doug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know what though? I knew that was coming in St. Louis though. Oh. Now, okay, now here's where I can get on board with this, Judd. St. Louis, <laughs> St. Louis Blues had a very bad head coach who we are all familiar with, Mike Yo. Midway through the season, they fired him. And then the other coach, Craig Berube, he won. Now, if Jacksonville started out one and four, they fire Doug Marone, whoever they bring in. John Filippo takes them to a title. Great oh, story. That's Great story. Right Beat Zim in the Super Bowl. Ha! That would be oh, something. Sometimes I really wish I could just control sports with my mind and make crazy things happen like that because that would be fantastic. Uh, you guys didn't say the Buffalo Bills, but come on, right? Like if they made a 47-yard field goal to win the Super That'd Bowl. That would be pretty magical. That would be something. That would be really magical. And I'm a little concerned, honestly, that the Bills are going to get moved eventually. A, I don't trust their owners. To Toronto? I mean, where? doesn't it make a lot of sense? When Kinda does. Roger Goodell comes out and says, basically, you guys have to build a new stadium. The city of Buffalo, do they have enough money? Are the taxpayers going to agree to build a new stadium there? And I don't think that the Pagoulas are going to build it all on their lonesome with their cash. And if you take that franchise somewhere else, there's a lot of different places that could do better in terms of the corporate money. That's the thing that Buffalo is really lacking. Like, why do we have so many sports teams here? A lot of corporations here. That's why. Uh, If we didn't, then we wouldn't. And with Buffalo, 
there's just only so much corporate money to go around. You compare that to Toronto, how much money you could make if you had an NFL team in How far is that drive, though? How, how far would that drive be if oh, you were a Bills uh, fan? Buffalo fans would be done. They would be done. They would never go to a game. Ever. Really? Yep, really? Ever. And I, there's proof of this. Because oh. the Ralph Wilson, toward the end of his life, came to an agreement with Toronto at the Rogers Center to play four or five games there, and it was just pure outrage. No one from Buffalo went. Basically, the crowd was made up of people wearing jerseys from just whatever they had in their closet. They'd be playing Washington, and people have Falcons. How far is like is a that? game in London where everybody just has different yeah, NFL? That's jerseys. what it was like. Yeah. How far is that drive though? It's about two hours. But no, I'm telling you, so no it's one's the same going. as Chargers fans yeah. who won't go from. No San one's Diego. going. Correct. Yeah, they would. They would be so angry because this is. The, it's like the heart and soul. Even as bad as the team has been, it's the heart and soul of the city. If you strip that away from them, no one would ever go to Toronto. Could happen someday. So that's why if they win a Super Bowl, they'll build a new stadium and everybody be happy. Save the team. Be Disney. I like the Browns more. It's a better story. That does sound like a Disney movie. It's just as good, though. That does sound like a Disney movie, though. All right. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy your hot routes next week. I will be uh, doing other stuff. Have a great time off. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone. You've been wonderful. Uh, I'll see you in a little bit. Not dying. Purple Daily. I said I'll see you in a little bit. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.